The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. So I've already given Brandon a homework assignment for uh, after we finish up today's podcast, and that's to go watch the Eddie Murphy, Robert De Niro buddy cop movie Showtime. But uh, happy Brandon Day. Happy Brandon Day to you. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what year that came out. Oh, it was 2002. That's way later than I realized. Really? I've never heard of it. And I was, yeah, I was in my teenage years at that time. So I uh, do not know what that movie was. Yeah, it was not good. Uh, Eddie Murphy, I believe, and someone can probably check me on this on on Twitter. I believe that Eddie Murphy was an actor. And he ended up is like the Robert De Niro sidekick. I think maybe he was like studying for a part. And then they get embroiled in, you know, hilarity. Hijinks ensue would be the, the phrase I think you could throw in there. Uh, and it's it's pretty silly. All I know is that Eddie Murphy does stare directly at the camera and yell, it's showtime. That's his that's his tagline in the movie. It's uh, they're not subtle about it. Anyway, um, it's Brandon Day. It's Wednesday. Fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. You really sold that one. It's not good. I mean, you have to be not good to get like a five on IMDb. IMDb yeah. is just doling out high rankings like they're going out of style. Any ailments for you this fine Wednesday? It is ailment day. I was going to say happy ailment day to you as well. I've got some allergies going on. Oh, All of yeah. a sudden just started sneezing a bunch yesterday and I don't love it. I that hit me over the weekend with the temperature change. We sort of had that like that weird drop here in Southern California. Got got a little cool, so uh, yeah, I had to pop the Sudafed over the weekend. My ailment today, and this is this is pretty wimpy, man, is mosquito bites. So at this point, I think I'm just complaining. It's not even an ailment anymore. It's just whining day on the podcast. But like, listen, your hands, your feet, your mouth, your eyes—they're all good. Yeah, they're all great. I got a new computer. We're really in business. Oh, today. my God. It's anti-ailment Wednesday. What a yeah, time. Apart from the allergies, which uh, I'm hoping my friend at uh, Zyrtec could uh, help out here. Yeah. Uh, everything's good. You pop a Zyrtec D? You ever go with the full decongestant flavor? Oh, I've never done that before. That yeah. sounds intense. Yeah, it is, baby. It's got ephedrine in it. That'll, that'll widen your sinus passages like they're going out of style. Oh, man. Yeah. we. I wonder what our listenership is versus other days, Monday, Tuesday. Do people actually <laughs> enjoy this or people immediately turn this all off when they hear us start talking about this to begin the podcast? Uh, I'm hoping that they enjoy it. My, my whole, Me too. Yeah, right? Like I go into these moments and I'm like, you know what? We're going to do this segment. And at the end of this segment, everybody listening is going to be like, well, at least I'm not those guys. Exactly. And then they just tune in and be like, I wonder what ailment they're going to talk about today. Yeah, I wonder. Listen, I'm going to feel better about my life after listening to Dan and Brandon for the first six minutes of the podcast. Oh, God, it's glorious. Yeah. Hey, other non-NBA news, Spider-Man is not in the Marvel Universe anymore, so that's a big bummer for a lot of people. Um, are you are you a big yeah. comic book guy? I actually saw all those movies, not the Spider-Man ones, but um, spoiler alert, pause this and skip forward if you did not see the last avengers movie um but someone tweeted did you see it obviously i'm assuming yes, yes. yes i did yeah we're all caught up someone tweeted, someone tweeted like oh iron man didn't didn't die for this <laughs> it's fine but that's fine though that movie came out in april uh yeah You're but like, iron man yeah it's true but can... yeah iron man didn't die for this for spider-man just to leave no. they were buddies yeah they were, he gave him he gave him glasses. That that was the thing. Also, he got he got fancy glasses. Uh, so that's the news. That's really the news of the day. Uh, Ty Lue, we talked about that on your Clipper show last week. That's a that's a real thing now. So that happened. Yeah. Um, but overall, the NBA is relatively quiet since the boogie yeah, thing except, last week. Except yeah yeah except for Mark Stein going after the Athletic this morning. I love I love petty. NBA is so petty. Even NBA yeah. reporting is petty. Yeah, I don't understand it. Why do you go after somebody because you have a scoop on Ty Lue becoming the assistant coach for Doc Rivers? I mean, are you going to go after every single other L.A. Times and Orange County Register writer that had the same exact news and did not attribute you? Like, I just if this. Yeah. Like, to your point, we we're talking about this before the podcast began. If it was just this story and that's what he's getting all worked up about, man, uh, just calm down a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's more going on here, and I'm excited to see what happens because during these 
sort of quieter news days, it's fun to see uh, weird crap taking place. It's just entertainment for the rest of us because, like, we're not breaking stories. We take the news that these guys report and we analyze it from a fantasy standpoint. So we don't really care who's breaking it first. We're following all of these guys on Twitter. Like, there's, it makes no difference to us. So to watch them fight is uh, hilarious. To me, it's a wonderful way to spend my Wednesdays watching, <laughs> watching NBA scoopers go after one another. There's nothing better. By no. the way, shameless plug, Andrew Greif of the LA Times was just on my most recent uh, Clippers hoopball podcast. So feel free and uh, check that out. Good conversation. He, we got chat about Tyron Liu. We talked about Chauncey Billups becoming uh, the new analyst for the Clippers and what his role will be. Talked about where Andrew was when the Kawhi news broke and how much writing he actually did and how late he stayed up till. So uh, fun podcast. Also a good <laughs> one about sources because I always wondered about sources and how you develop sources and who you can count on. It seems like Andrew really talks to a bunch of different people in the organization from like all different levels. Interesting. I was about to ask you more on that, but I think maybe we'll just call that the tease. Go listen to the Hoopball Los Angeles Clippers podcast at Hoopball Clips. If you want to follow it on Twitter, at BD Marcus. Brandon, you're tweeting all this stuff out as well, so that's another good way to follow it. I am at Dan Bespris. Uh, and Brandon, one more quick plug of the Clippers podcast. You've had four shows to date. Uh, you had Brian Seaman on a show. You had yes. Andrew Greif on a show. You had LA Clippers Film Room. What's his real name? Justin? Yeah, Justin. Justin. And you had me. And I feel like <laughs> one of these things is not like the others in that list of four. <laughs> One has ailments, the other one doesn't. Yeah, other, I was going to say, there's, there's three really good professional shows, and then, the, and then you know, the one with at Dan Vespers on it. So I'm going to bring you down. Ours talked, about, ours talked about Boogie and the Lakers, so it makes sense to have you on at that time. Yeah, thank you. That's a, that's a good defense of my uh, ineptitude. Uh, yeah. So that's the Ball Clippers podcast. Go check it out. Rate and review the show. Drop a little five-star note in that iTunes bucket. This is also, Brandon, I got I to gotta pause before we get into the, the deep fantasy stuff. Draft Guide Week. Draft Guide Week is here. Oh, yeah. That's right. Celebrate good times. Come on. Come on. Uh, Friday morning, 12.01 Pacific time on Friday. So really, effectively, it's Thursday night for many of us here on the West Coast, certainly in Hawaii. Uh, Draft Guide is out in, geez, that's like... What is today? It's Wednesday morning right now. That's like a that's like a day and a half. Good it's lord. Soon. Good lord, that's soon. Uh Hoopball Fantasy tweeted out a TikTok tweet with the countdown timer as of uh at some point yesterday, I think. So uh that's obviously half a day shorter than it was when it got sent out. It's winding down, man. The draft guide. The the draft guide is $13.99 for just this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday only. It is the lowest price it will ever be coupons or no coupons you will never be able to get it for less than $13.99 and you have effectively 72 hours to do it you have like 71 hours 59 minutes and 59 seconds I think because you know goes on sale at 1201 turns off it or whatever it is you guys can do the math better than I can on the fly here so that's on Friday the hoop ball draft guide will be tweeting out links relentlessly uh, we'll have an automated email go out to remind everybody that's that's a member at HoopBall. And if you want to get on that, you can hit me up or you can just sign up at HoopBall for a free account. All of these things uh, will get you in line to, to grab that draft guide. It has so many great things in it, but the obviously the one that I think is the biggest selling point is that on October 7th, the Brewski 150 gets placed into the draft guide at no additional cost. And to me, if you go into a fantasy season without the B150, and Brandon, I'm sure you'd agree, you're just a lunatic. Yeah, I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And uh, our friend Brew is uh, one of the masterminds in the fantasy basketball universe. And frankly, just follow those and you'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah, you really could. If you're in like a, a decent league with the B150, you can almost guarantee yourself a top three finish just from draft day alone. Which, yep. And then if you're in like a hyper competitive one, obviously you got to be Johnny on the spot. Uh, I'm obviously, I'm a little bit more... Uh, timid with my draft selections. Brew's, Brew is a swing for the fences guy, and that is, it's it's you it's mandatory if you're in a, a super competitive league. You can't just sort of sit on your hands and expect to win. You can sit on your hands and expect to get, you know, upper mid pack. You have a chance at second, third kind of thing, but you're just not going to win your league unless you take some chances, take some swings, and uh, those are always great. Draft Guides also has 400 plus 
player profiles. Uh, it'll have, obviously, the, the tools that you can use to prepare yourself for a draft. So projections, you have uh, dynasty reports that come out, ADP reports, uh, rookie reports, all of these. I mean, the list is like 30 articles long by the time you get into, what the hell is it now? It's late August. By like mid-September, you've got like 30 specialty articles in there. Draft Guide, Friday morning, thirteen ninety nine. Go check it out at hoop-ball.com or just follow at hoopballfantasy or hoopballtweets and the link will be sent out again multiple times over the next few days. Okay. Uh, finishing up the Southwest Division. That's what's on tap today, Brandon. Um, I want to stop talking for a second. So do you want to go Memphis or do you want to go New Orleans first? Let's go ahead and let's start just to help the people out because I'm sure they're interested and they're tired of us talking about our ailments. They want fancy basketball talk. Why don't we start with Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans? Yeah, that was the direction I, would hope, I was hoping you were going. What do you think about Zion? I, I almost haven't talked about him at all on this podcast to date because people know how much I fear rookies. It's interesting because he was a really fun guy to watch in college. Um, he had the ability to step out and shoot the three ball, even though he's built like a linebacker. And he gets points, he gets rebounds, he gets some assists. He's not that much of a passer per se. Um, I bet you that it, it's you're going to get mostly points, rebounds, I would assume, in the NBA. Steals and blocks, he helps out. Um, I just don't know what his field goal percentage is going to be like in the NBA and where he actually is shooting from because he would shoot threes in college, but he didn't make very many of them. He didn't <laughs> take a ton. So I don't know. I would say he usually made about one or two maybe per game. So I would say that he's a guy that is probably going to go a bit higher than what I would like to pay for because, like you and I have talked about, if there are a couple of guys that are in the same area and we know what we're going to get from one guy, I'd rather go for that one and swing for the fences somewhere else. I'm 100% with you, and that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that listens to this podcast. If you listen to this and you expect me to to abruptly change course on whether or not I'm drafting a rookie, it's it's probably not going to happen for you, maybe ever. Uh there's just there's too much hype and too many unknowns with guys coming into the NBA. That combination is what drives me away from rookies. It's not that I hate dudes that are 18 or 19 years old. I have no problem with these guys, and I often end up with sophomores on my fantasy team when rookies get overdrafted, underperform, and then they're sort of in this post-hype situation. But, I mean, come on. I mean, we have we have ex-presidents going to, to watch Zion Williamson play in college. If you don't think that is the kind of hype that can carry over to a fantasy draft, he's definitely going to go too early. There's almost no way he doesn't. And by too early, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to like wildly underperform, but he you blow out your value by being drafted at your your top possible result. So what do we think... I mean, what's the perfect ending to this season for Zion? He averaged, by the way, in his one season at Duke, 22.5 points, 9 rebounds a game. You mentioned it, uh, 2 assists, so not many. Shot 68% from the field against children uh, and 64% at the free throw line, which, frankly, I'd be surprised if that jumped a ton uh, in his rookie season in the NBA. There's so many other things, adjustment-style deals, that these guys don't have the extra time to really focus on the free throw line. So I think you're going to see a decent field goal percent. Like you said, points, rebounds, probably some steals and blocks, right? He had 70 steals. He had 59 blocks in whatever it was, like 30-some-odd games. So he was he was pretty high number in both of those categories. Someone was actually doing a comp to Grandmama on Twitter the other day, I, that was, and it was freakishly close. And they are kind of built similarly. I mean... I can't imagine, you know, two steals, two blocks a game. That really will translate to the NBA, but it does seem like he could be pretty high in those categories, right? Sure, sure. He can help out in those defensive stats, which are great. And here's my one issue with Zion versus other rookies. Compare him to a guy like DeAndre Ayton, um, both number one picks. The difference is that Ayton only had Booker next to him. If you look at this starting lineup, you have Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, Brandon Ingram, and Derek Favors. You have very good basketball players all around Zion, so he's not going to have to carry the load like a guy like Colin Sexton or a guy like DeAndre Ayton. So he's not going to be going nuts, I would assume, numbers-wise, because he's not going to have the ball in his hand every single possession. 
So your usage rate, I don't think it's going to be as high as those other guys. And you wonder, I think I saw Apatria was in a, a best ball draft with somebody. Yeah. And I think Zion got taken in like the third round. No, no thank you. There are guys that are going in that round that I trust way more than someone like Zion. And also, let's not forget he got hurt in college. Sure, it was a fluke uh, shoe injury. <laughs> Exploded his shoe. <laughs> but he got hurt. So you just don't know coming in how stable he's going to be. Give me a year. I want to see how he is. There are other rookies that, I'm, that I like. John Morant, whom we'll talk about in a bit, is maybe somebody I like a little bit more, but very much reminds me of a guy like Colin Sexton that's going to be doing a lot of the work. So, yeah, no, no thanks on Zion at that price. Yeah, um, and here's here's the thing that really seals it for me. Uh, you know, as as a big man, he actually gets a slight bump in my rookie rankings because I think it is easier for on that transition where you're not forced to run the offense. And like you said, he has other guys around him that can do some of that heavy lifting. Uh, the free throw percent is actually what, for me, puts a giant dent into his potential upside. When you look at guys from last year, 9-cat, and my assumption is that he's probably going to shoot around 64 65% again. We have to basically just take that college number and, and draw it out and assume he's not going to make a giant leap. The best players in 9-cat start at 16 with free throw percentages in the 60s. You have no one above 16 with a free throw percent in the 60s, which is still very high, mind you. That's Rudy Gobert. Uh, which, you know, in terms of what Zion could do, that's maybe not that far off when all is said and done. Uh, but that is a that is the optimal spot, right? So if everything else is good and the free throw number stays the same, the best place he could end up would be middle of the second round. I think a lot of people are drafting him thinking that there may be first round upside, and I actually think I would call it second round upside. So, yeah, I, I think... I honestly think he might go earlier than the third round, which is a crazy thing to think. I I, I think that the hype is only going to pick up. He skipped summer league for all intents and purposes, right? He, he played like half a game and they just said, nah, you know, minor injury. We're just, we're done here. As people yep. see him play again, he could go rocketing up. I mean, you might see him get drafted in the second round. I hope he does. It's one less player that I want that, uh, or one more player that I don't want. <laughs> that goes before I pick. I mean, if you look at where guys ended up last year, if you look at just that, that like third round of guys, LaMarcus Aldridge, Miles Turner, Mike Conley, Gallinari, Horford, Thompson, Lopez, Westbrook, Aiton, Cousins, Harris, Lowry, take out the guys that are obviously hurt now. And I think I'd rather have those guys, a Tobias Harris over a guy like Zion. I'm sure it'd be fun to watch Zion. No doubt it'll be fun to have him on your team. If you're playing because you don't want to win your league and you just want to have fun, go ahead and take Zion. He's going to be great to watch on League Pass. He's going to be on a lot of national TV games. But I, I just don't like him compared to the other guys that are going to go around the same time. So where do we think he actually finishes? So I think we both agree he's probably going to get drafted high enough where it wipes out any of his upside. I think there's a very real chance he could be a top 40 guy at the end of the year. <sighs> it's tough because he's got so much around him. How often do several guys end up finishing? I mean, we were talking last week, obviously, about top 100 or not, and we'll do the same thing here. But are you looking at that starting lineup and thinking that all these guys have a chance to finish in the top 100? Because they're all very good basketball players. Um, I think top 50, because that free throw percentage concerns me, and I don't think his field goal percentage is going to be as high as some people think. But I, I could be crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not going to be, you know, Rudy Gobert shot 67%, Clint Capella 65 and these are guys that are only taking shots that are given to them when they're standing right in front of the bucket. So I think you probably have to put a little bit of a, of a negative click on Zion because he'll be taking some of his own shots, right? He's going to have to do, at some point in there, he's going to do some creating. Um, so that'll drive that number down. I, I think high 50s is a very reasonable goal for him. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say he finishes around 50. Yeah. I'm going to go more like 55 to 57 range. And I think there's yeah. going to be a lot of dunking because that team's going to run like crazy. So, but again, you know, that's a really good number. I don't want people to misinterpret what I'm saying. 57% is a terrific field goal percent, but it's not 68. It's not what Gobert did at 67. It's not Capella at 65. The difference between 66 and 58 is another few 
chunks down the list. So, uh, but I mean, here's the thing. Here's where he could really float himself. And and I know we're hanging on to Zion for a long time, but I really haven't talked about him at all on this show. So we're kind of wiping it all out on one episode. Uh, if he's a guy that can get you two and a half or more combined steals and blocks, those guys also find their way up the charts pretty quickly. There are not many players in the NBA who finished outside the top 50 who averaged two and a half to three combined steals and blocks. So that's like the the incredibly high floor for Zion, where even if the other stuff doesn't max out, even if he doesn't get as many shots because of the guys around him, uh, even if the free throw percent continues to be a massive thorn in everybody's side. I mean, Mitchell Robinson played, you know, 20 minutes a game last year, but he averaged 3.2 combined steals and blocks and very little else and was number 47 for the entire season. So it those two categories, steals, blocks, they're, they're not the sexiest on the board, but it's very easy to be a high-ranked guy. Maybe Miles Turner is actually a better guy to bring up uh, he was number 26, averaging 13 and 7 from the field because he averaged three and a half combined steals and blocks. So that, I think, is where Zion could maybe kind of float his value. And I do think there's a safeness to him that a lot of rookies don't have. But I also think he's going to get drafted at like 25 to 30. And for me, that's that is also where I think his best possible outcome is. Yeah. By the way, the 50, I thought was going to be where he ends up, not his field goal percentage. His field goal percentage, I think, is going to be higher oh, than Oh, top 50. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I just don't know. I mean, what's interesting is that when we talk about rookies, normally we think there's going to be a very, very, very low floor. Um, right. And then a high ceiling. Like, he's obvious Zion's going to have a high floor because he's able to contribute everywhere. So that's going to help. Um, you just don't know exactly what you're getting field goal percentage-wise, free throw percentage-wise, threes-wise, and maybe turnovers-wise, too, True. depending on how much he has the ball. Um, he is a bully, though. He's really big, and he's going to be very tough to defend. So the comparisons are to LeBron, and if he has a rookie season like LeBron, then he's going to be amazing. But I-, I just think that based on where he's going, I think you're better off trying to get a guy in the third round that could finish in the top 12. Would you rather have Drew Holiday or Zion Williamson? Drew, right? Yeah, it does concern me, the injury issues with Drew, though. I'm wondering, I mean, we'll get ADPs here shortly. We're not far from that mark, but Zion is in a strange world. I mean, he's yes, he's obviously overhyped, but he's also one of the safest recent rookies I can think of because of that high floor, which... Changes the outlook a little bit, but I, I, you know, he's still not going to end up on very many of my teams. He's a spot where maybe I'll go reach for him in a league that is like an eleven category head-to-head league or something, where I could, if I could put a, I could put a massive dent into free throw percent. It's not the end of the world, and maybe you do want to have a little bit of fun. I don't think I'd be really surprised if he finished outside the top 55 like i i do think there's a pretty good floor for him but anyway uh that's a lot of zion you guys waited and waited and waited and then we then we gave the people what they want what about the rest of these guys i'm i remain quite low on brandon ingram and maybe i'm maybe i'm starting to become the minority in that one i don't know you and i haven't actually talked much about uh brandon ingram what's interesting is i'd like to see him actually play um i'd like to make sure that he's healthy because when you're dealing with what he dealt with, I believe it's some blood clot type thing. Yeah, DVT. Yeah, that, that's serious. That, and I'd like to see him actually play. But he's a guy that, not last year, the year before, towards the end of the year, he really started to turn a corner. And it seemed like he was a guy that could be really good. And some of my friends who are Laker fans thought he could be a guy that contributes everywhere in fantasy and is a monster. And obviously, they might be a little bit biased. But <laughs> we, we do that. We do that a little bit. Just a bit. The potential's there. Because you look at the team around him, I actually kind of like the way this team is built. Um, I like Drew Holiday as a scorer and a passer. I like J.J. Redick as a shooter. Um, I like Zion's ability to just take people off the dribble. Derek Favors as a rebounder. And then Ingram can just kind of go wherever you need him to go. Um, he did play some point guard last year, too. I like Ingram fantasy-wise. I just feel like I'm unsure, and I know that's a bad answer to give, but I just don't know at this moment. I'm going to plant my flag in don't, don't do the Brandon Ingram experiment, and I'll give you three reasons why. 
Reason number one, he's a bad foul shooter, and he takes a lot of them. Reason number two, he's a pterodactyl, but he gets no defensive stats somehow. Like, I have no idea how a man of that range on defense comes away with so few steals and blocks over the course of an entire, well, now three-year career. Your average is .6 in each of them. There's, there's just no reason why a man like that, I mean, I, he's, he's 6'9", and his wingspan is like 7'4", something obscene like that. He has those incredibly long arms, and they don't seem to help the way that you'd expect them to, right? Like a guy like Kevin Durant, who's sort of similar build, long and lean, is blocking shots like they're going out of style. Uh, yeah, it's weird he's not averaging at least one in one of those categories. Yeah, either one of them. Either one. I'll take either one. Are you a guy who likes to stay low and pick the pocket? Do you want to go up high and reject some people? Uh, that is what 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 we just talked about with Zion creates such a safe floor for a rookie coming in. And for Brandon Ingram, there's no floor. I mean, it's an elevator shaft below him. So you just hope that that sucker stops on one of the floors and doesn't drop all the way to the bottom of the Nakatomi Plaza. The uh, He has never done it, and I... I know the Pels have sort of a different scheme where they do end up with more steals and blocks because everybody's just pants on fire style. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that anything is going to change sort of who he is on that side of the ball, where what he collects. He's he tries to play a little bit better position defense, which he does sometimes. But those are my, you know, in a nine category league, and it. Well, by the way, his turnovers are also relatively high because he is he did run some point. I mean, that's yeah. like four out of the nine categories where he's anywhere from bad to just sort of slightly not that good. And you have to be really good in the other five to make up for that, and he's only really good in like two of the other five. Yeah, and free throw percentage, he does have the ability to go up. If you think about where he was in 2016-17, he was at 62, and the year after he finished at 68, and then in 18-19, he finished at 67.5, so about the same area, but... In the last couple of months, he played seven games, and he was at 76%. So he does have the ability to go up in those categories. Remember, he's still very young and very raw. And it'll be interesting to see um, how he and Zion do together, both being Duke guys. Curious if they kind of push each other to a new level. You know you know damn well who I'm going to like on this team. And we're and talking about like all the guys around the young guys. Uh, you, you know, I'm just itching to talk about the old dudes, but we're going to hold off for just, uh, two more players here. What about the backcourt? Lonzo ball, drew holiday. Um, I mean, I see no reason why drew holiday's numbers should drop off all that much. He was number 22 in nine cat last year. The only fear I guess would be what if they get eliminated early, but I mean, he's a defensive wizard scoring that might come down a tad. He's just so good across the board. He's got more around him than I think he did last year. Um, at some points, especially towards when AD obviously was sitting out, uh, but he carried the load. So he'll either be scoring, and if he's not scoring, he'll get more assists. Um, interestingly, you put Alonzo with him there in the backcourt. I feel like JJ is going to start in the backcourt with Drew Holiday, and Lonzo will come off the bench. But um, that'll be interesting to see. But uh, uh, Drew Holiday's good. Yeah, I, it worries me that he's missed some time with injury. But a guy that finishes in the top twenty-five, uh, I obviously like him a lot and he can can contribute in a lot of different places and you and I were talking a lot about point guards last week he's the guy that I like and you know what you're going to get from him agreed uh okay we can we can do JJ before Alonzo let's say Reddick starts uh does he see as many minutes as he got in Philly about 31 per game that's pretty high and he's starting to get a little old who's going to come off that bench at the guard position apart from Lonzo Ball that's be Josh Hart would be my the only other guy there and that's it. So they don't have a ton of depth there. Um, he's finished in the top 100 three or four years in the last five. So he's actually been pretty good uh, finishing 100 or better. I think that's about where he'll finish. Yeah. And he's he is very much a member of the Dan Vespers old man squad because he's always going to get drafted about two rounds later than he ends up just because there's nothing sexy going on there. Really good free throw percent. Hits three-pointers without killing your field goal percent. And then basically nothing else. No defensive stats, no rebounds, no assists. The points are obviously there because he's hitting three threes a game. Uh, 
I don't. I think his role is relatively similar, whether it's bench, start, whatever. Probably you know maybe twenty eight, twenty nine minutes instead of thirty one. To me, that's not enough to knock him off the pedestal. And maybe the forty four percent field goal comes back to forty five, forty six, something like that. So it's to me, it's pretty easy to see JJ doing about the same thing year over year. And I think he'll probably be underdrafted a little bit because he's boring. He's boring. Yeah, he doesn't have as good of a point guard passing wise as he's had in previous years um i don't think i mean correct me if i'm wrong do you think drew holiday is better than simmons or cp3 no I mean, not I, even I close think, I, yeah. I i don't think drew holiday is a very good point guard actually overall i think his that's, best time is as difference. a shooting guard yeah see that's the difference is i'll be curious to see if maybe it's lonzo that gets jj better looks than a guy like uh, drew holiday yeah i i can almost promise it will be drew holiday's passing is slow I watched a lot of Pelicans games the last couple of years. I always had someone on that team. Uh, and Drew Holiday, point guard, was rough. Like, these, the bounce passes just took longer when he threw them than other good point guards in the NBA. He's just better at shooting guard. When they brought in Rondo, it was obviously a massive negative for them defensively, but just moving Drew into a better spot on the floor was helpful. And that's what they tried to do with Alfred Payton, uh, but he's awful. So it, did, so it didn't work. Uh, that's why I put Lonzo in the starting lineup, by the way, was just to shift Drew Holiday to the two. And maybe that's that might be wrong because they probably want some more floor spacing and, and Lonzo can't really shoot. But uh, we'll see how that whole thing shakes out. I don't know how the hell they use Lonzo Ball coming off the bench. I guess JJ could come out early. I think, didn't he come out after like the first five minutes in Philly most times? Yeah, he did that with LA too. Yeah, they get him in, get him out, keep him fresh. Got to get those legs fresh for the the big leaping three-pointers uh what about Lonzo I mean his 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 issues are pretty evident he's a career 38 percent field goal 44 percent free throw shooter his ceiling is also as high as anybody in the NBA because as a point guard who can get steals blocks rebounds and assists those guys are few and far between there just isn't that clear of a path for him in New Orleans. We just talked about that. So how how high could you possibly go with Lonzo Ball? I mean, if Drew Holiday were to get hurt, then you could raise that up. But I, I don't know. I mean, you know Lonzo better than I do. Uh, I'm curious to get your take on him and where you think he can improve. Obviously, field goal percentage. I mean, that's probably not going up a whole lot. Um, and he's not a good free throw, free throw shooter at all. So you were just talking about the percentages. I mean, if he doesn't have good field goal percentage, he doesn't have good free throw percentage, he can't go very high. It's rough. It's rough. The only edge there is that he was so terrible in both those things that he stopped doing them. So he only averaged nine and a half shots per game and one free throw per game. He really didn't want to get to the foul line. I do think some of the free throw thing is mental because he's not a good shooter, but he's also not 42% unguarded. It has to mental yeah. it has to be you don't shoot 42 percent from the line i mean he, luckily he does help out points rebounds assists and steals um so he does and blocks he'll get maybe about one per game so he helps out but it, it just does worry me that he's just so bad in a couple of those they've got to find a way so let's say let's say he does come off the bench drew holiday starts at point guard i think that drew holiday maximum number of minutes he's playing at point guard is 24 probably less than that over the course of the game but it still feels like there's there aren't that many ways that I can piecemeal this in my head where Lonzo Ball can get enough minutes to be fantasy successful unless he's also playing minutes at the two but Josh Hart and JJ Redick Andrew Holiday would all be better options at the two than Lonzo Ball so it's he's got to be the point guard yeah but then you know if you move Drew Holiday off of the point guard spot and play him at the two more then Josh Hart doesn't play because J.J. Redick would be playing, I guess, the two and the three when Ingram isn't on the floor. It's just, ah, oh man, it's, it's too many. There's like five guys guy, that are all. Yeah, then you have a guy in J.J. Redick who can't defend very well at the three. That's a problem. Yeah. Oh, boy. They're going to have to figure this thing out. I am. Lonzo Ball, by the way, finished at number 129 on a per-game basis last year, far lower than that by totals because he didn't play the last two and a half months. Um, and I don't. And that was at 30 minutes a game with some of those games happening when LeBron was out and he was doing all the stuff himself. I, I just, I can't get that excited about his prospects, despite the fact that his fantasy outlook is excellent. He has a great fantasy game. He's just in a terrible spot for it. 
Uh, JJ Redick we talked about. Lonzo Ball we talked about. We're circling the wagons here before finally getting to the guy that you know the Dan Bespris old man squad is always in favor of old big men. And that is, of course, Derek Favors. I, I think he's primed to actually have a really nice season in New Orleans. Yeah, he's he's underrated. He, he really was nice to get last year. I added him, and he helped out in points, rebounds. He got me some blocks, good field goal percentage. I, I kind of liked having him, and he's going to be a nice fit here where he's not going to be asked to do much, but he's going to be asked to be a stable presence, and I think that's what he's going to be. He played, Derek Favors averaged 23 minutes a game with Utah last year. That is an obscenely low number. And he yeah. was number 75. It's relevant. He was still fancy relevant. Yeah, 75, not even relevant. He was good. Yeah. He was above it. Average 12.7.5 rebounds in 23 minutes, 2.1 combined defensive stats. Not a good foul shooter. Um, so that'll hurt you a little bit, but generally a pretty good field goal percent. And he's not going to shoot the three ball, but who the hell cares? He's your center. Go get him somewhere else. Um, I mean, if, he, if his 23 becomes like 26... 27 i mean you're talking about a guy that could be a, a top 65 top 60 fantasy guy which I, and i don't think he's getting drafted anywhere near anywhere inside the top 90 i'd be surprised if he went before 90 in most drafts yeah i'll be curious to see where he his adp is i think this is one of the more interesting guys because we talk about bigs late I, i've been harping on that for the entire offseason you have i can verify this you'll be able to get bigs late and, and this is an example man i mean he's so good i mean you know where he finished in 2015-16? Was that one? Oh, that was one of his mega years, wasn't it? Yeah. He finished 29. 29. In a per-game basis. Oof. See, the next year, 159. The next year, at 88. And then last year, he finished 75, like you said. I mean, why is he not going to finish in the top 80? There's no reason. What reason? No. He'd have to play like 18 minutes a game to not exactly. get there. And he's on a team with that where fantasy stats are more abundant. Now he went yes. from a slow down, grinded out, nothing on the offensive side Utah Jazz team to the Pelicans, which as we've seen, oftentimes they'll just shirk defense and see if Anthony Davis could block a shot just to go get it and run again. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I, I, I like Favors a lot. I think, what, how many minutes do you think he'll end up playing? You think he'll play probably closer to 28, 29? I think I've got him around 26 and a half, 27, because I, I think he's, he does break down a little bit. So, I, you know, I think they'll move Zion over. He'll play some five. There aren't a ton of backup options uh, for center. I, you know, Jaleel Okafor, I don't think they really want to give him a ton of minutes there. But, I mean, if he, in my mind, I've got him going in like six to seven minute bursts in each of the four quarters. So, you know, somewhere between 24 and 28. That's my sim- That's my remedial math here with, <laughs> with uh, Derek Favors. But that's... You know, you take last year's stats, you even take his career per 36s, and you put him in a 27, 28-minute guy, uh, that's a really good fantasy player. Yeah, and two years ago, he played 28 minutes per game, and he played 77 games. Nice. So this isn't a guy that you're, you're worried about, hey, maybe he gets hurt if you put him at 28 minutes per game. I don't think that's the case. The year before, he was at 50 games. The year before that, 62. But you're getting to the point, when you're drafting Derek Favors, that if he gets hurt... You'll be okay, but this is a yeah. guy that could be big-time help to your team. Yeah, exactly, and that's a really good point. If he gets hurt, it's like, okay, well, you know, I took him in the, my eighth, ninth round anyway. It's, no, he's not, not a guy that your team should be completely relying on for their fantasy success. If right. that's the case, you have bigger issues going on with your fantasy team. So, okay, roll it all into a ball before we move on to Memphis. And how many of these guys actually finish inside the top 100? For me, it's... Uh, Zion, Favors, and Drew. Uh, oh, well, J.J. Redick. So we might be four on this team. Yeah, you're going to be close to four. Uh, I, I would say four just because J.J.'s been so consistent. Um, I, I really think we're going to be wrong at some point here because we're saying so many different guys on all these different teams somehow to finish outside. It's going to be injuries that force the re- that become the reason why guys finish outside. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I think I'm going to say four. So, Brandon Ingram, you were questionable on. You've got him outside the top 100? Yeah, I've got him out just based on looking at those numbers and seeing how bad he is in some different categories um, and being worried about his health. Yeah, uh, I think I have him out. Yep. Okay, so we're with four on this one. Four! Fear not, though. I know we've got all these teams where it's like three, four, five. 
uh, don't worry. The Washington Wizards will be discussed at some point on this show, and that's where we can really, <laughs> that's where we can make up ground on the how many guys can be inside the top 100 game because that's like a one and a half on that one. <laughs> They're terrible. Yep. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. So they look a little different this year, don't they? <laughs> um, just a bit. Just, no, just no, a bit. Where's Mike Conley? Where, yeah. Where's Mark? This is a brand new era in Memphis, and that makes them kind of a fun team to break down, right? Like, there's there's a certain entertainment value to this. They've got another rookie, John Morant. They've got a second-year guy in Jaron Jackson Jr. There's a lot of hype around the young guys in Memphis, and I have no idea. So I, I'm going to go on record right now as saying I don't have any idea where John Morant finishes this year, but he's the... Uh, he has the reins to this team, and they're going to just let him go. Um, is that enough to get inside the top 100? Is it enough? Yeah, yeah he's finishing top 100. Okay. A- a- any guy that's putting, as mu- as putting up as many triple doubles um, as he is and is getting the comparisons to Russell Westbrook, um, I think will end up in the top 100. Um, what do we know about his percentages from his college era? As I Decent? was typing that, you asked that question. I was curious to see what his free throw percentage was in college. Very good, by the way. I found it. It's they found it fast. Eighty-one percent in college. That's that's a big good. Deal. Yeah, that's very good. That's not Russell Westbrook. That's very good. He doesn't shoot many three pointers, but also who cares? Yeah, it's because he's able to get to the rim so easily. I don't have a clue where this dude is getting drafted either, but I've got to think it's probably going to be a little bit too high because he's a hype rookie. Yeah, I'm curious. Is there any site that has like any idea of where guys are going? At this I mean, point, you basically just have to go on whatever Yahoo's pre-ranks are because there have been so few real drafts that there's just like there's nothing to base ADPs on. Yeah. So it's, wherever Yahoo has in place, that's where he's going right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, that's a guy that I think I'm more likely to go after. But again, I think he's going to go too high. I really have no idea where he's going to be pre-draft. I mean, where do you think he'll be? Is he going to be a top 50 guy pre-rank? Uh, no, I don't think he will. Um, I can tell you right now, Yahoo has him ranked in the 70s. Okay. But that, that's, dude, that, if he's in the 70s now, he's and you give, give time for that... Uh, that train to just get some boost to it. Oh yeah, it's going to get higher. He can end up in the fifties, and I don't think I can risk a risk of a fourth, fifth round pick on him. If that yeah, it depends where I'm at with my team. If I really, really like where my guys are, then maybe, but probably not. I think you're probably right. Um, I'd rather have a guy like Valanciunas. And he's going to. By the way, another note on Morant here. Uh, eight cat, he'll get a huge bump. You can assume he's going to have a boatload of turnovers this year. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, what about Jaron Jackson Jr.? He, you know, all the tools were there, but he couldn't stay healthy last year. They probably just, I mean, that was basically a shutdown. I'm sure he could have played a little bit more. And the blocks were not as high, I think, as everybody was hoping as he tried to figure out how to stay out of foul trouble and kind of get his hands out of the cookie jar a little bit. Does that, I guess the question here isn't whether or not he's going to be a good fantasy player. That's an obvious yes. The question is, does the fact that he underperformed a little bit last year, does that create any sort of post-hype with him? He finished at 88 in 9-cat, which I think is a lot lower than people felt like he was finishing or did finish. I'm confused on the public perception with Jaron Jackson Jr. I feel like people thought he had a better year than he actually did. Well, yeah, I owned him, and there were points where I was thrilled to own him, and then points that he wasn't doing anything. So what and flavor did he leave in your mouth at the end of the year is a good question. More of a sour one just because of him being hurt and just the continuous day-to-day, week-to-week. We don't know when he's coming back. And then the, oh, he's probably not coming back. I mean, 58 games, not great. But he gets points. He gets rebounds. He gets blocks. He gets steals. He shoots good from the, uh, the field. Decent free throw percentage around 66, 76 and a half. He does enough, and he obviously has the ability to take it to the next level. But have we seen him play next to Valanciunas? I don't think so. And I if so, it, it's yeah. a very small sample size. 
I think that'll be okay. I'm not too worried about that. I mean, I I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be a really neat fantasy player. For for me, it's whether or not he's going to get drafted too high. Uh, well, I think he's going to be more post hype. That would be that would be wonderful. <laughs> that would be lovely. I hope you're right about that. Where would you draft him? Uh, I think he's a top 50 guy this year. I wouldn't draft him there because the hope is that you could get him a little bit later than that. Uh, that was my question, Dan. Where are you drafting him? Are you drafting him in the fifth round, the sixth round? I would take him. I would take him 60 or later easily. Okay. Because I think there's nowhere to go but up for him from last year. Is he. <laughs> Let's say you have the 10th or 11th pick, and you are now in the 5th fifth, fifth round, so, so then be, it goes to the 6th. Beginning sixth. of the 5th. It'd be beginning of the 5th round. End so of the 6th. Like, no, the end of the 5th, beginning of the 6th, right? Oh, yeah. I guess it would be end yeah. of the 5th. Right? It'd be okay, start, so. starting the 6th. Would okay, you grab so him there on the turn at si- in the 6th round? Okay, so that's like pretty close to pick 60, right? Am I doing my yeah. numbers right? Yeah, I think yeah. I would. Okay. I think that'd be a great place to get someone who can do steals, blocks, threes with good percentages. Yeah. With upside. Okay. I, th- and, I think that's reasonable. Yeah. And a decent floor. I mean, 88 was probably about as low as he can go with his fantasy stat set. Julius Randle or Jaron Jackson Jr.? Oh, Jaron Jackson by a lot for me. Oh, wow. Okay. Which uh, I know Randle actually finished in front of him by about a round last year. Um, yeah. But it's the, it's the stat set. Um, Randle... I think the free throw number is about as good as it's going to get. He's more popcorny, points, rebounds, assists, and then Jaron Jackson is more sort of the Dan stats. Field goal, free throw, steals, blocks. For threes were actually exactly the same for the two of them last year, but uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. in his rookie year averaged a full one combined more steal and block than Julius Randle, and that was with Julius in, in New Orleans where steals and blocks are sometimes inflated a tiny bit. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's going to be higher, you would think, in New York. Yeah, he's going to. I mean, he's going to be good too. I just, I would rather have the Jaron Jackson stat set. Okay. Yeah, Julius Randle. I, I mean, fair. I think Julius Randle's probably finishing inside the top sixty this year, just based on how much crap he's going to have to do. Yeah, I, I think just because of his usage, I think he'll yep. just he'll walk his way into the top sixty just because of how much he's going to have the ball. Yeah, it could be a weird year for, for turnovers for Julius Randle. It could be the rare power forward averaging like three point three turnovers a game. Well, he was at 2.8 last year, so yep. yeah, it's possible. So I like Jaron Jackson. I don't know where he's going to go, but I, I think he's going to have a nice year. Uh, the rest of this roster is still a little bit in flux, but I think Jonas Valanciunas is one that we can safely say is going to be there and playing all season. How good was he after the trade? Tremendous. That, that guy won me a league. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. He was dropped. I picked him up. Dude. Same here, except I got him like two weeks after you did. I got him, I think, after the deal <laughs> happened. And I remember when you came out with your top center rankings. And you had Valanciunas, I believe, at one um, after the deadline. And I, I went and looked at my league because I was curious to see what you what you had to say. And so I looked at my league to see who was available. And lo and behold, Valanciunas was there. And uh, <laughs> he was tremendous. It was a double-double league. And the dude was getting... 25 and 20 in some games i mean he was a straight up monster monster it was so beautiful i can't even imagine how big did your eyes get when you went to your league waiver wire and you were like he's not owned right now i was thrilled but also what's interesting is um i actually didn't think he was going to be as good as you did but i think he was as good in toronto i mean there, there were times when he was just putting up 11 and 7 he just wasn't that great, but he was also splitting minutes, obviously, with Ibaka. Um, and they just didn't know what was going on there. And I feel like he was being tugged around a bit. Yeah. So to your credit, you you had that one right on the nose. So that, for me, was about two things. Number one, they never played to him in Toronto. When they actually started bringing him off the bench and letting him just go ballistic for 19 minutes a game, it was actually really good for his fantasy value and just his mental state. Because when he started... They never let him touch the ball. It was really, it was kind of sad. I watched a lot of Raptors games for many years. Even the, the Dwayne Casey era was just like, what are they doing half the time out there? So when Memphis was like, yeah, yeah, uh, we want JV in this trade. My only thought was, well, they're not going to trade for this dude in a Marcus Gasol deal and then not play him. 
So even if his per 36s went down, which they kind of have to when you're, you know, going 19 minutes against second string guys versus 25 to 30 against starters, even if those per 36s go down, we go back to like year two, year three of JV's career and say, what are, what are the, the, what's the floor here? And the floor was massive rebounding numbers. He's always been a great rebounder because he's a giant human being, like legitimately huge. He's seven feet, like 275. Uh, the scoring was what impressed me. I didn't know that he was going to take 15 shots a game in Memphis. That, that was more than I expected. Uh, the blocks came back to you know where they were when he used to play 26, 27 minutes a game. Uh, you, throw, you roll that all together, and he can shoot the free throw. There was, no, there was no downside with him, and so that's why I was really high on JV. Uh, unfortunately, that, to me, I mean, I have to assume other people are as well now, right? Like, they saw him go nuts for a month and a half in Memphis. He, there's no way you're going to be able to steal him late, right? This is going to have to be the second center you pick. I'm not sure, because I don't think you saw him unless you owned him. Hmm, Interesting. I'm not because he was so just completely off the radar. <laughs> That's true. That I'm not sure you saw him play and you know what he's about unless you owned him. Hmm. Because if I didn't own him, I'm not sure I knew how good he was. Um, and to your credit, you just said everything that he does well. Obviously, he took a lot more shots, and because of that, his free throw, his field goal percentage went down a little bit, but not enough. It went to 54 and a half. You'll take that if he's taking way more shots and giving you more points, and he's getting four more points per game. Um, the turnovers were at 2.7, which wasn't great in the last two months. But apart from that, I mean, the guy was playing less than 30 minutes per game in the last couple months and was still dominating game 20 and 11. Doesn't he have easy top 50 this yes. year? Yes. Let me check Yahoo real quick while we're talking. Wow. His, AD- his ADP in this very early going is 61. See, I'm telling you. I, I just think that the name is not sexy. Oh, it's that's not a- at all that's going up though isn't it isn't he getting drafted earlier as no i don't don't think it's going to go up as much as you think i think it's really going to sit around that 55 to 60 range god i hope you're right i hope you're right so bad i I just don't think that's a guy you know much about unless you own him Mm. Mm. he's just going to walk into a a great fantasy year you don't have to do anything he just has to stay healthy yeah and that was a that was sort of fluky for him last year he only played what 49 games last season Yeah, but then in his first year, he played 60, and then 80, then 77. So he's, he's a guy that if he doesn't have that fluke injury, then yeah, he's yeah. rock solid. Very durable throughout his career. Free throw, field goal, rebounds, points, blocks. Yeah, he get, he does block shots. There was this sort of misnomer about him that he doesn't block any shots, but it's because he was only on the floor for 20 minutes a game, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and Rab and Plumlee are not going to be competition. No, no, they're not. <laughs> As Lovely. much as we love Ivan Rapp of the California Golden Bears. Yeah, go Bears and all, but no, he's um, Ivan Rapp, man. What a baby face that dude's got still. I guess he is kind of still a baby. Maybe that's why. Uh, Andre Godala, he's not going to be on this team halfway through no. the year, right? Um, Josh Jackson. Kyle Anderson, your buddy. Uh, it seems like you'd be a Kyle Anderson guy. I do kind of like Kyle Anderson. Well, let's, let's jump to him because he really didn't play much last year either. Uh, and when he did, he looked kind of out of sorts. He played only 43 games, averaged 8, 6, and 3 with 2.2 combined steals and blocks. He was, I think, better than people realized last year in a really, really bad season. Uh, he was number 109 in 9-cat. That's, that stunned me when I just saw that number. Absolutely stunned me. Right? Because he just does, he does so many things that no one would ever notice. Steals, yeah. blocks, rebounds, assists. Field goal percent doesn't shoot the three ball, but as I've said, or much. No, he doesn't. All. Oh, he's a total Dan Pespers guy. Yeah, <laughs> no. oh, the he, po- he, he's big time Dan guy. The pointsless wonder that is Kyle Anderson. Uh, I think everybody's forgotten about him, and I'm really glad you pointed him out because uh, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be inside the top 100 because this team is gonna need someone as kind of a point forward to settle things down when when the game gets too fast for John Morant. Yeah, that's that's you, interesting. He's you may gonna have, have a good crew to be around too. You may have just found something under that rock. Yeah. Put that rock, put that rock back down before everybody else sees it. <laughs> Thank you for that clunk. Uh, yeah, I, you know Jay Crowder, 
not interested really for me. You? No, uh, I had him at different points last year, and he provided me with nothing. Yeah, he's a he's a fart. Um, Go after him after he's done well, and then you have him, and then he doesn't do well. Oh yeah, he's a classic that guy. Yeah, Josh Jackson, yuck. No. Yeah, Tyus Jones. If he gets minutes, if Morant gets hurt, maybe because of his steals potential. Yeah, but otherwise, nah. No, um, Grayson Allen. Thank you. What do we think about uh, the rookie Brandon Clark? I'm not. I'm not doing anything with it. I know nothing about him. Yeah, I don't either. And to me, they've got guys in front of him in the depth chart where he he might yes. play some forward here, but you know he's not going to be. He's like fifth, sixth in line to do stuff, even on a young team. Yeah, I think he's a power forward too. So I'm not sure if, he, if he's going to play the three. Right. That would be behind Jaron Jackson most of the time, or behind Kyle Anderson if he's, yeah, he's starting. He's six foot eight. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so JV, easy inside the top 100. Jaron Jackson, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, John Morant, you got him in there. Yeah. He's a massive question mark to me. But like you said, he's you know he's going to play and he does a bunch of stuff. So all right, I'll put him in there too. Uh, Kyle Anderson, I think he's more of like a barely, but he's going to be one you could get at 130 probably. Yeah, I'm going to put him right outside. I think he finishes closer to 105. Yeah, and that's still usable. Yes. Yeah. yes. Well, I mean, we put this top 100 tag on this discussion because it's it's a pretty easy number to, to make your cutoff, but the difference between 105 and 99 is literally nothing. Yeah, he's a guy that if you have the, let's say you're in the 10th or 11th round and you have no idea and you're starting to panic and you don't know where you're going to go, have him in the top of your queue, just in case, because that, that's a guy you're fine having. Yeah, that's a good point. Just throw him in your queue, leave him down there, and then like if you totally screw it up, he'll just be the guy that auto-picks onto your team. <laughs> Where you're like, oh, go, two seconds left on the clock, and you're clicking things. You're just like, oh, thank God, yeah. Kyle Anderson. Happens all the time to me. Happens all the time. <laughs> I think it happens to all of us, because you're like, as much as you want to put yourself in a bubble for the hour and a half it takes to do most snake drafts, you just can't. You know, yeah. I, I, hold, I hold myself up in the bedroom and I close the door. But at some point, the kid's going to bang on the door or someone's going to text me or I'm going to realize somebody took the guy I was looking at like two picks before and I've yep. got my cue, but I don't really want the next guy in my cue. So you're, you're freaking out a little bit because life is unpredictable. So it's good to have those safety measures. He's the hammock you can put in your cue or start calling these guys. Uh, we'll call them the Brandon Hammocks. I like that. Yeah, we got Dan Bespers old man squad. I don't need any more nicknames for my weirdos. Uh, that's the that's the Brandon Hammock. Although <laughs> the Brandon Hammock stands way too close to Banana Hammock. Still, uh, Kyle Anderson might make an appearance on an old man squad. Also, yes, that's too many guys in the. Well, we put him just outside, so that's good. We we kept it to just three. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's average. Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank goodness we can't go eight on today's show. We did nine, I think, last Wednesday, didn't we? Yeah, we did a lot. Yeah. But that's okay. Like I said, the Eastern Conference has yet to be broken down. This will all even out, everybody. Wow. Well, we still have the East, all the East to do? Yeah, the entire East. Oh, boy. Yeah, fear not. Don't worry. We, you're only going to be stuck on the hook for a couple of those teams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brandon, where's that Clipper show again? It is at Hoopball Clips or at BD Marcus, rate and review that podcast. Give us a five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. It'll help us out. The more reviews, the better. The better the podcast does. The happier I am and the less ailments that I have that's, on Ailment Wednesday. That's right. <laughs> we got to knock those ailments down. Uh, we got two reviews so far, and one of them is me. So if I can do it, the rest of you can as well. Uh, I use a regular computer. That made it super easy because I just clicked on the podcast page it opened iTunes and took me right to the rate and review. I didn't have to hunt it down. So, uh, yeah, do please take a moment to rate and review this one, The Clippers Show, and prepare yourself for the Hoop Ball Draft Guide. Friday morning, 12.01 a.m. Pacific time. You East Coasters, it'll already be up when you guys wake up in the morning. You can stay up till 3 if you want, I guess. You don't have to. It's the, uh, it's the 24 theme song. Oh, that is, yeah. Were you a 24 guy? Oh, loves Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, me too. Jack Bauer is the absolute man. I know. It really doesn't seem like the kind of show that I would love all the time, but I really did. It was tremendous. That was one of the best shows ever to be on television. Do you ever go to loved ones or people that you don't know at all and just say, you're making the wrong call? 
I have not, but yeah. no, I might. Yeah, you gotta. <laughs> really, it really freaks people out, especially if you drop uh, what, the voice down. Oh, uh, that's great. One of my favorite scenes in, in the entire franchise is when uh, Log- President Logan is in his limo, and Bauer has the mask on, and they're underneath the building, and Logan goes, that's Jack Bauer! Just And he was terrified, and it was Jack Bauer who was just breathing <laughs> through a mask. <laughs> I have no recollection of that sequence, but it sounds amazing. Google it. Google it. You'll enjoy it. Okay. That's a message for everybody else. After you rate and review our podcast, go Google Jack Bauer under a building in a mask, President Logan. That's Jack Bauer. That's Jack Bauer, President Logan. Okay. There you go. Uh, Brandon, we'll talk to you in a week. Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, later, everybody. <laughs> Tomorrow, Neil and uh, Neil and Josh, Adrian Coach, wrapping things up on Friday. We'll keep reminding you about the draft guide. I will talk to you all on Monday. Again, show back tomorrow. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.